<clears throat> All right, I have a few minutes remaining today uh, to give you the word, and I'm excited because, like I said, we are starting a new series today uh, called The Anthem of Hope. And I don't know, that the last 15 minutes of what just happened here um, already gave me hope. I don't know about you, but it gave me some hope. So that would have been church. We, we could have said, what happened today? And we said, Kim's back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, pain going from a six to a five is a big deal. Pain going from a six to a three is a really big deal. And so six to a one or two, come on, God did something. Unless, unless we intimidated you so much that you felt you needed to lie about it. But I believe that what I felt in the room was the Lord releasing healing. And so when there's a movement of healing in a room, you can claim that for yourself. So all of those that are watching online today and you, you were watching what happened in the room, I hope that you were claiming healing for yourself because the waters were being stirred. So I'm, I'm already I'm satisfied with today's church. We've done well but I'm still going to preach. Um, still want to share with you. Has anyone sensed an increase in spiritual warfare as of late? <sighs> Is it just me? It's not just me, right? Please tell me it's not just me. Okay. Um, it's almost like what Revelations 12.12 says, that the devil is full of fierce because he knows his time is short. That's what I told Carrie just the other day. I said, I just feel like he is racing around because he knows his time is short and he wants to create as much damage as he can. Um, I know life has been super crazy for us and it feels like the hits just keep on a coming. Now, maybe you're not in that season and I pray that you're not in that season. I pray that I get out of it soon. Um, these, these have just... These hits have been coming and coming and coming and coming. Can I tell you what the last three weeks have been like for the Rose family? Yeah. I would call it like the Rose Palace or something beautiful, but it feels more like the Rose Thorn Bushes, you know? <sighs> um, the past three weeks, let's see, it all began, not, not that I want to cast any blame, but it all began when my wife preached at youth the Wednesday before camp. She preached a sermon telling the students how the enemy loves to create distractions before camp. And she told stories of how the good old days when we were youth pastors, every time we would go to camp, our car would break down the week before or something ridiculous would happen. Somebody would get sick. And, you know, we don't like to give the devil a lot of credit. Do you know what I mean? But when you see things happen year after year after year, you're kind of like, I see you, <laughs> do you know? And so she was talking and preaching on distractions from camp. And then the next day, I rent a chainsaw, and I'm cleaning out my backyard because we're going to have team exchange over, and uh, we're going to go swimming, and we're going to have fun, and there's just two little small trees that are dead that I can take out. And, you know, I know how to take down trees and how to do my dad. My dad owned a business that did that. I grew up as a kid working more than I would have liked to with him on that. Um, but I got familiar, so it, it's not scary to me is my point. You know, I'm certainly not the expert. If my dad is watching, he's probably laughing right now that I'm even claiming to know such a thing. But 
you know, I rented the chainsaw, and it was a big one, because, you know, we have to. <laughs> so I, I um, couldn't get it started initially, and, uh, you know, I kept trying to pull and pull in. I spent about maybe five, six, seven minutes to get it started. Um, it's not a big deal. Chainsaws can be, you know, finicky sometimes. Get, so no big deal. I'll get it started. But um, during one of those pulls, about 10 minutes into me working with the chainsaw, my kids are around, my wife's around. I pull the cord back, and I hear something pop in my neck and in my back. An instant pain. And I said, oh, Carrie, I just hurt myself. And she was like, oh, you did? Be careful. Let's start over here. <laughs> I may be exaggerating a little bit. And so, you know, it did hurt. It was instant pain, but it wasn't debilitating. And after all, Home Depot gave me four hours to use this thing. I'm not wasting time with an ice pack. So I spent like three and a half hours with this big chainsaw. It's amazing because um, even though I rented it for two trees, my wife found so much more that I could cut down while I had the chainsaw. It's, I was like a miracle. And so anyway, I, I, hurt, I hurt my back. Uh, it was by that evening I was in severe pain, probably because I hurt it and continued to use it. Men are stupid. And, um, you know, we just do those things. We don't stop. Not all men, I suppose. You, there might be a smart one out there, but... I was in a lot of pain that night. The next morning I wake up in my left arm. Uh, it was down right here by my side and it was hurting. My arm was hurting. So I'm thinking I need to go see my chiropractor. Um, and so I go see my chiropractor and he, he thinks after several treatments, you know, the back got fixed really quickly. The hands continued to get bad. Um, and he, my chiropractor came to the conclusion that I had fractured my wrist. Uh, don't know how that happened. It could have been when I popped it. Somehow I did something with the chainsaw and this pain masked this pain. Who, we don't know. It's pointless to try to figure out. Um, so then I get put in a brace. And then I go to the doctor um, also. And it turns out that then they think it's gout because my thumb started swelling and she puts me on steroids. So I go to camp with a brace and a sling and steroids and, and we have, you know, camp and it's, it's awesome. Um, and then, you know, it just never, never fixes. So the hand has for the past three and a half weeks been an issue. Uh, so much so that two nights ago, my doctor sent me to South Austin to get a scan because uh, her words were, I think you might have a clot, and if that breaks off, you're going to die. Uh, so I go to South Austin, get a scan. I don't have a blood clot, thank God. Um, it's, it, I th we think it's just gout, but um, I still have no strength in it. It's still swollen. But this has been a continuous struggle for our family uh, for the past three and a half weeks. Um, but not only that, my computer crashed. And when I say crashed, I mean crashed. Lost everything, unrecoverable. All of my files, all of my photos, you know. And listen, it's 2021. If you don't have a cloud somewhere that's saving your stuff, you're dumb. I'm dumb. 
I, I'm, I even have a computer science degree. Ugh. Are, are you trying to say something about A&M? I see half of the pie that's burnt. Half a pie is very sour. So yeah, I lost it. My computer literally, it literally crashed um, before camp. And then uh, before we left for camp, uh, our house flooded. All of this in the past three and a half weeks. Our house flooded, and two days before we left for camp, we had to have a company come in, mitigation. They pulled up all of our carpet in the bedroom. Uh, they pulled out all the baseboards, two foot of the walls in our, our master bath, our bedroom, our hallway, our garage. We had to rent a, a storage unit because we're, ho we're hosting a lot of items from my mother-in-law who's passed away recently in our garage and we had to get that out to make room for the repairs so two days before camp I'm securing that with an arm that I can't move and we have to hire movers because again I can't do this all in the short amount of time that I have so movers um, come in uh, on top of that Carrie's little sister went into the hospital for COVID and it was very scary and after just losing mom uh, a lot of emotions surfaced that you don't expect and you don't plan for, and that's a struggle and that's a challenge. And Heidi's great now, thank you, Jesus. She's fine and back at home, uh, but that was a stressor. Um, while we were at camp, the the crews had massive fans in our home, drying out our home, and in the midst, one of our breakers tripped. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It was the outlet to the freezer in the garage. So we got home to our, all of our food being spoiled, um, being ruined. And um, also the dogs got out. We have big dogs that Carrie loves. And they really are good dogs. They're, they're fine. I, and I can't spend too much... I, I can't spend time talking about this story, but it's a whole story in itself. Um, but let's just say, anyone have dogs that like to chase little bunnies in your yard? You know, they like, they, how many have dogs that chase bunnies? Or how many know that dogs do chase bunnies? Yeah, my dogs love to chase the bunnies in our yard. Um, unfortunately, we just didn't know that they didn't know the difference between a wild bunny and someone's pet. Yeah. Yeah, that was on top of the house flooding and the wrist and the injured back and the computer crash and the little sister. We now have a neighbor at our doorstep yelling at my wife. I actually thought it was a, a friendly neighbor, so I'm just looking through the door thinking, oh, they're taking a long time. And I go back and do what I'm doing, not knowing it's a lady I don't know. It's the bunny's mother who is very upset and saying a lot of very awful, hurtful things to my wife. And if you, well, you know my wife, she loves animals. So when we got the call from the police that it had happened, my wife is crying over a bunny that belongs to someone else because that's, that's who she is. So to be called some of the things that this wonderful woman who clearly needs Jesus was calling my wife uh, is devastating, you know. Um, oh, and did I mention that our upstairs AC went out? 
So our master bedroom is unlivable. So we've been living in the upstairs uh, guest bedroom. And the AC went out during this time as well. So two, two of those weeks, a week and a half of that time was super unbearable and hot. Thank God to a family in the church that loaned us a portable AC unit um, until we could get the AC fixed. Um, and last but not least, in this past three and a half weeks, Tristan ate the last piece of pie that I was saving for myself. Yeah. And, and, and Carrie hurt her back in the garden, right? You're, she's having to go to therapy for that this next week to good old Arosti. Anyway, all of this in July. All of this in July. Um, I just need everyone right now just to turn to your preacher and say, it's time to get your hopes up again. Yes, I feel it. It is time to get my hopes up again. Listen, um, I thank God that I entered July of 2021 with hope already set as my anchor. Because when the ship is going down, that's not the time to look for the life preserver. I hope you hear me. Like, I'm laughing about July, but, and I know, listen, and I'm not trying to do that for pity because I understand there are some very real tragedies in the world right now. My neighbor, next door neighbor, just this week, our street was filled with ambulances and fire trucks. And uh, my neighbor, who we adore this family, interact with them all the time. His wife had just had surgery. She went to lay down for a moment before she took a shower. When he came to check on her, she was gone. Like not missing, she was dead. And he's devastated. Two months ago, he lost his 38-year-old son tragically they didn't even know he was sick he just got delirious in a parking lot and within days he was gone because of a, an infection in his body like this guy has it like his july 2021 i'm really grateful for my july 2021 do you know what i mean so i'm not trying to celebrate uh, get a pity party here i'm only saying that we're all going to go through it at some point or another and we need to know before we enter that season where our hope comes from. And it's, it's my hope during this series, by the way, if I can just lay the framework, it's my hope that during this series that we stir up hope within you. Um, yes, it's true that life is a bit ridiculous. Yes, it's true that the enemy is roaming around like a roaring lion. Uh, yes, it's true that the heat hits will sometimes just keep on coming. But it is also true that our God is big, that we have a hope, not a dead hope, not a stale hope, not a traditional hope. We have a living hope, right? These are the things that are true and that we need to hold on to. And during this series, you will hear story after story about hope, scripture after scripture about hope, song after song about hope. We're going to feast so much on hope, um, actually, so much on hope that you won't be able to pass an IHOP and read it the same anymore. You're going to pass and say, I hope. You're just going to be so filled with hope. Everything you see even close to hope is going to look like hope because we're going to just feast on hope. Hope is going to be everywhere you look. It's going to flow through your veins. Hope is going to be your middle name. Can I get an amen? amen? Amen. I'm excited. I'm excited to be Trey Hope Rose. 
You think that sounds weird. How about Pedro Esperanza Castaneda? Hope as your middle name. What is hope? Hope is an expectation or belief. It's an expectation or belief in the fulfillment of something desired. Present hurts and uncertainty over what the future holds create the constant need for hope. The world needs more now than ever hope, guys. We, we need more now than ever hope. Scripture in Ephesians 2.12 relates to a life without hope as a life without God. A person that doesn't have God doesn't have hope. I, I know someone who's going through an incredibly awful time in their life. It, like one of the worst I've ever seen. And, and this person calls himself a pre-Easter Christian. Like he's a Christian and goes to church but argues with his preacher on Easter because he doesn't believe that Jesus ever rose from the dead. If we don't have the resurrection, we don't have the hope. That is our hope, that Jesus died on a cross for us and at the end of the day, he walked away with keys. He walked away with the, the key to death, to hell, and to the grave. Like this is the living hope that you and I have. And I don't know how the world is going through what this world is going through without Jesus. I don't know how they're doing it. I don't know how you go through a, a silly pandemic without Jesus. I don't know how you do it. The modern world has sought hope in human effort. And in a belief in the inevitability of progress that assumes everything will get better and better eventually if you work hard enough. You see, the world places their hope in human behaviors. That's why we see so many people focused on political transformation, social transformation, educational transformation, because we think that the key to unlock the door to a better tomorrow is better behavior from humans. But our hope isn't generated from humans. You see, hope happens when we understand that it's personal transformation that changes the world. It's when you and when I get alone with God and we do business with God and we lay our heart bare and we allow him to offend us, we allow him to love on us, we allow him to change us and to transform us into his image. That is what changes the world. You know, when you audit a course in college, you're saying, I want the knowledge of it without the accountability. In college, you can, what they call, audit a course, and you show up, and you listen to the lecturer, and you see all the slides, and you can take all the notes that you want, but you don't have to quiz, you don't have to test, you don't have to do the homework. You're auditing the course. Now, that's, we know a lot of 
elder people do that in their older years because they, they don't care to get a grade. They just want the knowledge and they've got the free time. So they want to sit in class and, and do that. I'm, heck, I might do that. My wife loves school. She might do that when she gets older and has the time, just audit, audit a random class. Um, and you can do that and, and not be held accountable. But what we see is a lot of people in the church world trying to audit the Christian life. Many people come to church because they like to hear the word, to be inspired by the word, to be encouraged by the word, but they don't plan to do anything with it or put in any work. They don't want to incur any responsibility, but they like learning. But, but you need to know in college, when you audit a class, you don't get credit for it. And in the Christian life, if you come to hear the word, but you don't act on it, your life won't be changed. You might leave inspired. You might leave filled with hope momentarily. But it takes obedience to the word of God. Transformation in, in the life through the word has to be activated by obedience. Listen, transformation is activated by obedience. If it was just revelation of knowledge that changed, then the whole world should be looking different by now. All we need is a big billboard that says Jesus saves, and bam, that city is saved. It's not the knowledge that changes. What changes and transforms a city, a region, a people, a nation, a world is hearing the word and doing something about it. And I mentioned transformation because the, the truth is hope thrives in a life that is being transformed. I guarantee you, if you feel hopeless in seasons of your life, you might want to inspect your level of transformation in that moment. Now, I don't mean that as a, a guilt trip or this is your fault kind of thing, uh, because there can be other reasons that you feel hopeless, circumstantial, emotional, biological. Do you know what I mean? But what I'm trying to say is, Really inspect how much you're allowing the Lord to transform you because a transformed life or a life that is daily being renewed into the image of God can go through a flood, a wrist injury, being yelled at by the neighbor, dogs getting out, AC going out, sister in the hospital, and it not take them down. A life being renewed and transformed into the image of God can go through losing your mom to COVID. One day, fine, 30 days later, gone. Like you can make it through that when your life is being transformed and renewed into the image of God. I know we're talking about hope and it gets a little bit tricky because none of us actually even know what that means. You don't actually know what hope means it, it's very fuzzy you just kind of know if you feel hopeful or if you feel hopeless it's more of a feeling that you feel than a word that you know how to define am i right i believe i'm right because the new testament did you know the noun hope in the new testament no in the gospels matthew mark luke and john all four gospels it doesn't use the noun hope not once isn't that surprising shocking it uses the verb to hope 
in certain ways about five times, but it doesn't use the word hope as a noun at all. I mean, the four gospels that tell the story of who Jesus is, our living hope, doesn't use the word hope. The book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible that talks about the end of days, what we all have to look forward to and, and what God is going to bring us through and deliver us from and where we're headed and all, all of that, that great stuff. The word hope is not found once. That's comforting. So what is hope? What is hope? I want to take you my text today since I haven't even cracked the Bible yet. And I have the sense they're ready for me to stop speaking. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. I'm going to make this quick. Can y'all, can y'all go with me real quick? Can I have maybe five more minutes? What time is it? Oh, geez. Revelation chapter 3. John is writing to seven churches in the opening of Revelation, and it's actually the words of Jesus. So if you're looking at your Bible, I know you can't tell on the screens because those words are in black, but if you have a red letter edition, uh, the first three chapters of Revelation is red ink, and red ink means what? Jesus is saying it. So John is writing what Jesus is saying to the churches, and he's writing to the church of Philadelphia, the first city of brotherly love. It's a commercial city. It's a hub of trade. Um, They were plagued with earthquakes. Uh, But inside this hustling, bustling city of Philadelphia was a church. Small church, a gathering of people. And the Lord begins to speak to them in verse 7. It says, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, He who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. Now, I want to stop there for a moment and just explain to you uh, what Jesus is trying to communicate. He's about to speak to the churches, but before he does, he wants to describe who he is. Okay, in all the churches that Jesus speaks to, he begins with saying who he is specifically for that church. And he says, he's two things. He says that he's holy and he's true. Look at your neighbor and say, holy and true. So Jesus is holy and true. Holy means set apart. Set apart, all right? I'll give you a quick illustration of holy. It's like the dishes in the sink that are dirty versus the dishes in the cabinet that are clean, common dishes that you use for everything. When the kids want a bowl of cereal, they run. And then... Some of us have dishes in the dining room in a cabinet with glass and there's china. And it it never really comes out except for very special occasions or maybe once every five years to get dusted, right? Do you see the different levels of dishes? You've got the dirty dishes, you've got the common dishes, and you've got the china, the fine dishes. The fine dishes, they're holy. They're set apart. They They don't mix with the defiled dishes. They don't sit on the cabinet with the common dishes. They're set apart and there's nothing like them. They're to be used exclusively for a purpose. Jesus is saying, 
that he is in a class all by himself. It doesn't mean that he doesn't mingle with the commoners, that he doesn't eat dinner with the sinners. But in the realm of comparison, no one else compares to Jesus. He is holy. And then he is true. He is the ultimate reality. Anything that contradicts him is a lie. Anything that contradicts him cannot be trusted. Measure everything by Jesus. If it is inconsistent or incompatible with him, it's wrong. No matter who told it to you, no matter how long you've practiced it, no matter how comfortable with it you are, no matter how much you can wrap your analytical brain around it, if it contradicts the truth, it's wrong. Then he says, he has the key of David. Has the key of David. Now to appreciate what he's talking about here, uh, we have to go back to Isaiah 22, and I won't take you there because my time is way passed over. But in Isaiah 22, we see that uh, there is a steward in the house of David. And he's not doing his job. He gets fired. They bring in a new steward. His name is Eliakim. And Eliakim is given the house key, the, the key to the house of David. And he's the steward of the house, meaning Eliakim has access to all the doors in the house of David. Okay. This is a foreshadowing. It's like a, a type and shadow of Jesus. The one that got fired was the law. The new steward is Jesus, who has the key to every door. He, Eliakim points to Jesus, right? So in Isaiah 22, you can read that and see the transition from the law into grace. But Jesus says he has the key to the kingdom, the key. Notice he said he has the key, not a key, because the key is the master key. That means the key opens every single door. It's the master key that has access to any door and authority over every door. He is in charge. He can open the door he wants open and close the door he wants closed. We need to understand that and not get confused because oftentimes we will look at other people around us and think that someone else has the key. Someone else has the key to our dream, to our future, to our education, to our hope. But Jesus has the key. He has the master key. And it's through this key that he's going to unlock hope in us. I'll explain more of our text next week. I'll pick up right where I left off um, as we dig deeper into Eliakim and the key to hope. I want us to spend the next few minutes um, I want to spend the next few minutes in worship. And I'm just praying that God will begin to stir the hope and that you will be reminded in this moment that all the keys that you're looking for to unlock all the doors that you're trying to get through, you already know the owner of the key. You're already in relationship with him. His name is Jesus and he is our hope. Father, in Jesus' name, God, we 
we ask that hope will begin to stir. Father, that this service will have provided a window for people to look into, to see the hope that can be found in you. God, let hope come alive. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.